Hello everyone and welcome to the Good Love Podcast, a Good Love Project production with your friendly neighborhood sex geek and good lover, Katrina Boots Ransom. Here at the GLP, we strive for informed, enthusiastic consent, so this is your content warning. The Good Love Podcast is a sex and relationship education podcast directed to adult listeners. We offer playful, powerful, and positive education on sexuality, pleasure, kink, sexual health and wellness, and a slew of other grown and sexy topics. If you find any of these topics objectionable, you're welcome to skip an episode or even the whole show. If you're under 18, we recommend heading over to scarleteen.com for all youth-focused sex ed needs. Now, if you're an enthusiastic yes, get comfy and enjoy the show. my lovers. Um, I'm gonna just come right out and be honest and uh, say that I am slapping this together on the day that it's supposed to be dropping. So, and not even on the day, on the evening, on the evening. It's been a crazy week. I'm getting ready for Southwest Decadence, which starts tomorrow. It's a three-day leather and kink conference here in the Valley of the Sun, and I'm very excited about it, and uh, <laughs> it's the night before, and I realized, oh no, I haven't posted, nor have I recorded. So, today, you're getting a clip show. Um, be answering some viewer slash listener questions, and... Um, yeah, they're pretty common questions, so I think that you should find some good use out of them. And you can look forward to next week when I will tell you all about how things went at Southwest Decadence. I'm so excited. So, you enjoy these listener questions, and I'm going to go to bed because I have to get up early, and I'm not a morning person. How much polycule is too much polycule? So first, let's cover, for those of you that don't know this, what polycule means. Polycule is a portmanteau. It's a word that's made out of two words of polyamorous, polyamory, and molecule. Now, imagine a molecule. Go back to your seventh grade science class, um, and you see all the little pieces of the molecule, um, you know, different atoms all connected together, right, and they make cool little shapes. Uh, the idea of the term polycule is basically that's your group of poly people. So that's you, your partners, your partner's partners, which um, is also called a metamor, um, and how you intersect and interact. Um, fun project to do with your polycule, if you have one, is to actually draw out your polycule. I'm like, look! Polyamorous arts and crafts, yay! Sex geek arts and crafts. So how much polycule is too much polycule? Honestly, that's going to depend on you. It's going to depend on um, your resources. I truly believe that love is infinite. However, your time and your energy, not so much. Especially your, your time. Um, Time has to get like, you know, parceled out. 
uh, you need time for each of your partners as well as, you know, you need time for yourself. I firmly believe in the philosophy of you are your own primary. So you have to take care of your relationship with yourself. If you, like myself, also have children, like my children are also some of my primary relationships. You know, it's fam it's familial love, it's maternal love, um, but it's, it's very, very important. And then you have work and everything else. So how much polycule is too much polycule is going to depend on your resources. How much time do you have to spread out? What kind of time do you need to feel like you're having a quality connection with someone, depending on the type of connection that you want? What do your partners need, you know? Um, like if you have, say, two partners that are very much like quality time is their love language, they need like a good several hours with you to feel fulfilled, maybe fulfilled, that was said weird, um, maybe once or twice a week, but then maybe you have a few other partners that are totally like, I'm super busy and like, I just want to catch a movie with you and bang once a month and I'm good, you know? So there's that. I, um, I've seen this question posed in uh, poly groups, like Facebook um, chat groups a lot, and a commonly thrown out number for like how many serious relationships can you balance. A commonly thrown out number is three. Um, obviously it's really arbitrary, but that seems to be like a pretty common number for most people as far as their limit of how much they can put themselves out there. Also, um, how much time are like how much are they taking on between each other? Are your metamors also dating each other and fulfilling each other that way, or are they all separate? Are do they have other partners, whether it's within your polycule or without, that they're also getting taken care of? So, is there such a thing as too much polycule? Kind of. We have the term polysaturated, which is like when you hit that point of just like whoo. When you get to the point where you're feeling like you no longer have time for yourself or you're starting to notice that you have a regular nagging feeling of guilt or discomfort because you feel like you're constantly uh, neglecting someone, I'm not going to say that, that means that you have too much polycule, but you might be polysaturated and you might need to take a step back and kind of look over your priorities and that doesn't necessarily mean you have to give someone up, but you may need to take a closer look at how you are running things. Next question. Let's see. I've never owned a vibrator, and I've been thinking about getting one, but I'm worried about desensitization. Will a sex toy ruin me for real sex? Okay, so that's a common, a common myth. I'm going to say first off, Sex with a toy is real sex because you're a real person and you're having sex with yourself. Masturbation is real sex. It is valid. It's solo sex. It's self-love. You're making love to yourself. So, um, but will it ruin you for partnered sex? No. Can your body get used to specific things? Yeah. Um, if you're... If you're having 
uh, let's say like PIV, that's penis and vagina intercourse, are you going to come as quickly as you will with a vibrator? Potentially not. Um, most uh, vulva and, and vagina owners do not, the, the statistic runs usually like 80 to 85%. Most of them do not orgasm just from penetration alone anyway. Uh, so do not feel bad if you are a part of that large number. Um, I'm very pro-vibrator. When I finally got my Hitachi Magic Wand, um, I actually found that I became, because uh, my orgasmic ability went down a little bit after having a baby, um, I actually like rebuilt my orgasmic ability uh, by using my wand. Now, if I'm just feeling like I just want to get off real quick, you know, I'm stressed, or honestly, like, that's how I medicate myself for my migraines. I can go in my room and, like, vibe off with my wand and have an orgasm in about two minutes. Am I going to have the same, um, the same thing when I'm having partnered sex? No. Does that mean that partnered sex isn't as good? Also, no. You want to look at things, look at sex from a qualitative point rather than from a quantitative point. It's not about how many orgasms you have or how quick you have them, but rather are you, are you feeling something? Are you connected? Are you having pleasure? Do you feel affirmed? You know, do you feel satisfied? If you're feeling good about your answers to all of that with your partnered sex, doing great. Um, so I think like that get it. Like I'm I'm very much pro sex toy, pro vibrator, and pro self love. Given the different arousal rates of male and female, I'm gonna assume that this person is specifically talking about cis males and cis females, given the rest of this question. Um, given the different arousal rates of males and females, don't you think a good 20-minute pussy eating is the best way to start fucking? That's very specific, that amount of time. Um, generally, people with... I'm going to change the languaging on this a little bit and say people with penises and people with vulvas because not all penis owners identify as male um, or as masculine and not all people with vulvas identify as female or as feminine so let's cut the gender and just talk about the body parts because that's what we're really talking about here. Um, arousal rates for penis and vulva owners is often different, not always, but Generally speaking, how much foreplay someone needs is going to be very dependent on the person, on particularly with a vulva owner, it may be dependent on where they are in their menstrual cycle, whether they have naturally are more spontaneous or responsive in their desire, when's the last time they had sex, like are they you know, feeling hungry and raring to go? Have they gone without for a while? Where are they emotionally that day? And I'm gonna say that that's true the opposite way as well, as far as like how long do you need to give your penis-owning partner head before you move on to PIV intercourse or fucking. I just wanna jump in here real quick and correct myself. You do not have to 
give anyone had what my intention was and what I should have said was how much foreplay someone with a penis may need or want. That's going to be really individual. So I think rather than watching your clock, which if you're watching your clock while you're like, unless you're like having a quickie and you're just like, okay, we got, we got like five minutes uh, or we're going to miss church. <laughs> unless you're, you actually have a specific time frame that you have to finish things up in, try not to watch clock too closely. Instead, listen to your partner. Listen to them verbally, listen to their body. Do not assume that just because a vulva is wet or a penis is hard that that means that the person is ready because genital non-concordance is the thing. Usually when we think of genital non-concordance, we think of impotency. You mentally are ready and feeling desirous, but your body is not responding. But it can go the other way as well, where your body will respond to sexual stimuli but maybe mentally or emotionally, you're not quite ready to go there yet. So, you know, pay attention to the body. In this case, if you are going down on your vulva-owning partner, you know, pay attention to their breath rate. Are they breathing faster? Are they making noise? Not everybody makes noise. Are they getting the sex flush? Like you might notice their skin getting a little reddened across the chest or across the cheek and the nose. And if your partner is darker skinned, you may not be able to rely on that sign. Are they experiencing myotonia, which basically means that their muscles are contracting, so they're writhing underneath you. What does their face look like? But also, check in, check in. That's also a great way to keep consent communication going as well. You know, you've been down for a little while. If you're not sure whether or not they've had an orgasm or if they're like fully ready and aroused, ask them, are you ready for me? Would you like more? Would you like my fingers? Would you like a toy? Give a couple options. Now, if they just grab you and are like, get in me now, then you know. So. Don't worry so much about how long things take. There's a great uh, Marilyn Monroe long. It's not how long it takes, it's who's taking you. So, there you go. Thanks for joining me this week. I hope you enjoyed this clip show version of the Good Love Podcast. You too can get your questions on love, sex, pleasure tech, sexual wellness, kink, and many other questions answered by writing to askagoodlover at goodloveproject.com or you can send them to goodloveproject at gmail.com and we will get you answered here on the podcast and on YouTube. And until next time, keep on good loving.